show where I sing and read my book to you. Hello, hello, it's the naked novelist, don't you know? I'm gonna read my book and tell you how to write. Okay. I was slightly uninspired, but hi, everybody. Yes, it's Nelsie Spencer. Welcome to my podcast, The Naked Novelist, where I read my book to you and hopefully give you words of wisdom. Uh, Something that I keep forgetting to tell you guys. If you have any questions, please email me at nelsiewrites at hotmail.com. That's N-E-L-S-I-E-W-R-I-T-E-S at hotmail.com, where... Uh, If you have any questions about writing, um, the writing process, writing discipline, I'll tell you what I know about publishing, but I don't really know that much. Any questions you might have. And I will read those questions on an episode and answer them. All right? Okay. So it is now time for Chapter 26. And when we last left Ellie, she had walked in on Missy and Marie Claire in the bedroom, in Missy's bedroom, and it seemed a little icky and creepy. So, and this was on the heels of Faith um, warning Ellie that Missy might not be trustworthy. Okay, so, The Playgroup by Nelsie Spencer, read by the author, that would be me, Nelsie Spencer, Chapter 26 Wine A smiling waiter holding a tray of white wine intercepted Ellie when she entered the foyer. Why not? Her hand was shaking as she reached for the glass. Thanks. She took a big gulp. Ridiculous! Pinky was saying with eyes crossed when Ellie entered the living room. Faith, Libby, Sophie, and the tall Indian nanny had made their way into the living room and were standing around the edges, eating and chatting. Annika sat beaming in the front row, and Angus was jumping on Bibi's lap, happy as could be. They didn't even notice I was gone, Ellie thought sadly as she sipped her wine. Who wants some of my pinkalicious pink lemonade? Pinky asked, holding up a small gold pitcher. Me, I do. The crowd responded. The minutes ticked by as Ellie numbly watched Pinky's show. Where's Missy? Why isn't she back at the party, she wondered. Ellie could see the dining room table crammed with endless platters of food. They seemed to be calling her like a siren. Okay, Elle, it's been 17 days. Don't blow it now. Don't blow it, she told herself. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. She recited the first three steps in her head. All I have to do is not binge today, she thought. Just don't binge between now and when you go to bed. That's all you have to do, Al. As she sipped her wine, she could feel her heart rate slow and her nerves soften. Then there was a hand on her shoulder. She smelled a familiar powdery perfume. Missy, I'm... Don't you ever embarrass me like that again, Missy told her. A stiff smile pulled across her lips. 
the room, disappeared. Ellie was in suspended animation. Do you understand? Missy asked. No, I don't, quite frankly. I don't understand you at all, she said with all the cool detachment she could muster and headed for her lifeline. Nobody here, thank God, she thought as she took an inventory of the spread. Missy had managed to make it all look elegant, even with a Thomas the Tank Engine tablecloth. Ellie started with a big chunk of brie, then checked over her shoulder. Pinky had the crowd in the palm of her hand. Missy was watching and laughing with the rest. Ellie shoved the chunk of brie in her mouth. While she chewed, she poured herself another glass of wine, washed down the brie with a couple of gulps, then moved on to the platter of empanadas. Her breathing was shallow. Her heart beat loud and strong as she downed them, tasting nothing. A handful of raspberries were next, followed by more wine, then back to the brie. She kept one ear trained on Pinky's voice, making sure the show wasn't ending. She was pouring her third glass of wine when she saw Marie Claire walk into the room. Let's see how bad her English really is, she thought, smiling at the bitch. Why, hello, Marie Claire, you annoying little twit she said, feeling bulletproof, thanks to the wine. Marie Claire's eyes widened. She put her hand on her collarbone. I'm going to say all that again. Why, hello, Marie Claire, you annoying little twit, she said, feeling bulletproof, thanks to the wine. Marie Claire's eyes widened. She put her hand on her collarbone. Excusez-moi? Oh, I was just thinking about a stupid cow, what a stupid cow you are, Ellie told her, piling crackers and cheese onto a pl paper plate. Je ne comprends pas. Really? You don't comp comprehend, comprend? Isn't that a shame? Marie Claire started to babble in French. Excusez-moi, Marie Claire, Ellie cut her off. But I was just wondering when the fuck you're ever going to learn to speak English. What? Not a good enough language for you? Too vulgar? Marie Claire was responding in French. Her voice was becoming louder and shriller. She began to gesture wildly. Ellie could see heads turning in the other room. Libby Sinclair caught Ellie's eye with a concerned look. Ellie shrugged her shoulders and gave Libby a beats me look. Pipe down, Frenchie. You're causing a scene. Ellie patted her on the shoulder, then took her plate full of drugs and left the irate Marie Claire alone in the dining room. Ellie stared blindly at the little shell-shaped soaps in the guest bath as she downed the last of four dumplings. Each bite dulled the pain a little. Each swallow stuffed down the rage a bit. Do I dare sneak out for another round? She asked Thomas the tank engine, who stared up at her from her empty plate. She felt suddenly overwhelmed as she pictured the day of mothering still ahead of her. <sighs> Nursing Angus at, two, uh, at least two more times, getting the kids home, bathed, fed, into the PJs, into bed, and to sleep. How can I do it? How can I possibly do it? All she wanted to do was to be alone with her food, to be able to eat and purge and eat some more. Someone jiggled the doorknob. She jumped. Just a minute, Ellie called, tossing Thomas in the trash. Then she turned around onto her knees, placed one hand near her mouth, 
and one hand on the handle, ready to flush. With precision timing, she purged and flushed simultaneously. The sound of the toilet covered, she hoped, the sound of her retching. Ellie, is that you? A voice called through the door. Yes, I'll be out in a minute. She rinsed out her mouth. Jesus, can a person get any privacy? She mumbled as she dried her mouth on the monogram towel. The little box with the lipstick in it was sitting in its usual place. She took out the malt shimmer. You look like shit, she whispered to her reflection. She was staring into her past again. Her face was pale and drawn from weeks of too much running and not enough food or sleep. This is it. No more barfing. That's it. She put on the lipstick, pinched her cheeks, and opened the bathroom door. Libby Sinclair was just outside the door. Ellie nearly fell over her. Are you okay? I'm fine. Why? Shit, she knows. Well, I saw you and Marie Claire. She paused, searching for the word chatting, and there seemed to be a problem, no? Okay, she didn't hear, Ellie realized. You know those Parisians, so emotional, Ellie explained. I'm not sure what she was talking about, to tell you the truth. Her English is so limited. But what? It's time for cake! So I was going to be pinky, but I realized that it's Gloria talking. Let me do that again. It's time for cake! Gloria called from the dining room. There were screams and cries from the living room as 13 crazed preschoolers stampeded towards a sugar high. Excuse me, Libby, I'm dying to get a look at this cake. Ellie joined the rest of the troops in the dining room. She searched the room for her lover. Nothing. A child-sized banquet table with tiny chairs and Thomas the Tank Engine tablecloth, napkins, party hats, etc. had been set up at the far end of the dining room. Okay, everybody find a seat, Gloria called. The children scrambled to obey. Mason sat at the head with Annika by his side. Bibi put Angus next to his sister. He grabbed a party hat and put it in his mouth. Gloria turned off the lights and Missy emerged from the kitchen carrying the cake. Everyone broke into a rousing chorus of happy birthday. Ellie felt numb and detached as the off-key voices bounced off her. She studied her beautiful and confounding friend. The candlelight cast ghoulish shadows on Missy's perfect face. Happy birthday to you. When the song ended, everyone applauded as Missy placed the train-shaped cake in front of Mason. Make a wish! Make a wish! Someone called. Mason blew his little lungs out. It took three attempts and a little help from his mother for him to do the job. More applause. I want the face, Mason shouted. And you shall have it, his mother told him. A waiter took the cake back into the kitchen. Moments later, he and a pal returned, loaded down with plates of birthday cake. They passed them quickly and efficiently to the unruly hordes. Ellie headed to the kitchen. How can I help, she asked Gloria, who was carving up Thomas at breakneck speed. Miss Ellie, don't you dare. Gloria, please, she said, arranging three cake plates on her right in her right hand. Never take away a person's job when they really need one, she told her as she grabbed a fourth plate with her left hand and was gone. 
This is good, Ellie thought, as she placed cake in front of perfect little Camille. This I can do, passing, smiling, this I'm good at. And she headed back to Gloria for a refill. In the kitchen with the waiters, she loaded up again. Clearly you're a veteran, the head waiter said as he watched Ellie, Ellie's plate technique. Yep, I was passing plate, pa sorry, <clears throat> clearly you're a veteran, the head waiter said as he watched Ellie's plate technique. Yep, I was passing pate to snooty assholes when you were still in diapers. Everyone laughed and they all headed out. Ellie walked to the kitty table, only to realize that all the children had been served. Shit, she thought, staring at her armload of cake. I didn't think this through. She considered a group of cake, cakeless adults. Look at you, Libby screeched. Where'd you learn the plate trick? Oh, shut up, Libby, Ellie thought. I don't really remember to tell you the truth. She lied and handed Libby a plate. Missy was next in line. Oh, my God, Missy said. What? Ellie was suddenly petrified. I figured out. I have finally figured it out. What, Missy? Libby asked. What in the world are you talking about? Libby looked, looked around at the group with what a fun party game look on her face. Now, it seemed the whole party was waiting for Missy's answer. Ellie was frozen. Well, Missy began as if she had a really good one. Ever since we first met, she put her arm around Ellie. Ever since that first day at Park Avenue Playgroup, Ellie has looked familiar to me. I'm dead, Ellie thought. I'm fucking toast. And when my mother met her, she also thought Ellie looked very familiar. In fact, she's been going nuts trying to figure out how she knows her. And you just figured it out? Libby piped in. Yes. Missy looked at her friend, still holding the plate full of cake. I just figured out that she and I met, in a manner of speaking, in this very apartment seven years ago. She was at her engagement party, right in this very room, as a matter of fact. The hair was longer and not quite so blonde, but I'm certain it was she. Standing behind the buffet table at our engagement party, carving roast beef for all our guests. No, Libby said as she examined Ellie. Really, Faith said. All heads turned to Ellie. It was clearly her turn. Oh my goodness, you're right. Ellie wanted to take a plate full of gooey cake and smash it into Missy's face. But instead, she smiled at her captive audience. I always thought Missy looked familiar and this apartment did too. Ellie put her arm around Missy and gave her a deadly squeeze. Thanks for solving the mystery, pal. Her brain was aching, her empty stomach churning, but she was going to get out of this one somehow. But the funny thing is why I was carving roast beef at that party. Okay, Al, now's your moment. I had just been cast in a movie as a waiter, and I was doing research. Really? Al, Libby bought it. Is Missy buying it? Ellie wondered. She couldn't look at her. Yes, and to prepare for the role, I worked for this catering company for a few parties. You were in a movie? One of the nannies asked. Yes. She felt light and somehow detached from the surreal scene. What was it called? The nanny asked. Road to Ruin. 
the title popped into her head like magic. It was a big bomb, and my scenes were all cut out. It went straight to video, thank God. You can see me in the background in a couple of scenes. You're babbling, Ellie. That's enough, she admonished herself. Anyway, that's how I learned the plate trick. She held the plates up for the crowd, then handed one to Missy. Their eyes met briefly. Ellie tried hard to send a message of hurt and disbelief to her lover in that moment. I had to do it in one of the scenes that was cut. She smiled hopefully at her audience. Now, if you'll all excuse me, I'll be back in just a minute with your drink orders. There was a smattering of laughter as Ellie exited. She marched through the foyer without a plan. I could just leave, she thought, eyeing the elevator as she passed. But the kids, I have to get the kids. Fuck! I'm trapped in a birthday party not of my own design. She whipped past the family photos that lined the hallway toward the master bedroom, not knowing where else to go. She felt her way to the bed in the darkness, dove onto the Italian bed and buried her face in the endless pillows. I'm not going back to that room full of snobby preppies. She vowed silently, I'm not. Her heart was racing. Her whole body vibrated. She wanted to cry or scream, but she couldn't connect. She felt empty and lightheaded, floating on the Italian bed in the dusky room. She wasn't really in her body. One of the perks of bulimia. Okay, God, help me out, could you? She whispered into the pillows. I'm sorry, I'm, I really am. I'm I really fucked up. I know I have, but I, I need you. Help me get back in my body, please, please. I can't stand this. I know it's my own fault, but I can't, I can't stand this feeling. She waited, floating vibrating, hoping. She waited for some kind of click, some sort of switch to feel grounded again. Nothing. Can you, can you at least help me make a, a plan to get out of here? She felt a hand on her back. Missy, she thought. She looked up. Her eyes met Antonia's, soft and green, in the dim light. Are you all right? He sat on the bed next to her. She tried to respond, but her throat closed up. She put her face into the pillows again and barked out loud, uncontrollable sobs. Ellie, he patted her back. Ellie, darling, don't, don't be so sad. He stroked her hair. It's all right. His voice sounded sweet and paternal. It's all right. Her sobs came harder. He lay down beside her, his face inches from her. Okay, okay, I'm here. Okay, everything's all right. He cooed to her and held her close to him. She felt safer and her sobs eased up a bit. You mustn't take Missy too seriously. She doesn't think before she speaks half the time. He's so sweet, Ellie thought. He's always been sweet to me and I'm sleeping with his wife. I horrible person. Okay, it's okay. He held her and cooed to her for a long time. She began to feel real again, more grounded. She was back in her body. You're so beautiful, my dear Ellie. Don't be so sad. Her crying had stopped. Her breathing was returning to normal. Don't be so sad, my beautiful Ellie. She felt Antonio's breath on her neck. Missy loves you. You know she does. She doesn't think sometimes. She just doesn't think. 
Ellie looked up. He locked onto her with those eyes of his. He's so kind, she thought. Ellie, darling, everything's all right. He kissed her forehead, then pressed his cheek against hers. She wrapped her arms around his neck and held on tight. She wanted him so badly, wanted to crawl into him and never leave, wanted to put her lips on his to feel his body against hers, his tongue in her mouth, his hands on her breasts. Ellie, darling, his lips pressed into her. I want you now, her body screamed, now. He kissed her ear. She wrapped her leg around him and pulled her crotch towards his cock. Was it hard? She knew it must be. She ached for it. They didn't speak or kiss or even look at each other, as if avoiding those things meant they weren't really doing what they were doing. Their breathing came quickly now as their pelvises ground together, his stiff cock straining against his pants, pressing into her. She loved it. Their clothes were an annoyance, inconvenience. She wanted them gone, wanted them to melt away and him to enter her now. Ellie? The two panting lovers froze. Ellie opened her eyes and saw Missy's silhouette in the doorway. Is that you? Ellie and Antonio rolled away from each other and onto their backs. I wanted to apologize. Missy walked slowly in the darkness to the bed, crawled onto it and then lay down on Ellie's left. I didn't mean to upset you. Oh, was all Ellie could muster. She was now a Missy Antonio sandwich. Did she see us? Ellie wondered. She must have heard us. Is she angry? I wasn't thinking, Missy said. Sometimes I just don't think before I speak. I wasn't thinking, Missy said. Sometimes I just don't think before I speak. My God, Ellie thought, that's just what Antonio said. Missy put her hand on Ellie's cheek, cool and damp from tears. Were you crying? Missy kissed her on the cheek. I'm so sorry I made you cry, she whispered in her ear. Jesus Christ, Ellie thought, isn't she going to say something about catching us humping on her bed? Missy's breath on her ear, with Antonio so close and so hard, was so erotic that Ellie thought she might faint. I'm sorry. Missy put one hand on Ellie's stomach and kissed her cheek again. Can you forgive me? Can you ever forgive me? Missy's hand, pressing hard into her, traveled down Ellie's belly and her, cupped her dampness. She was transported out of her body again, floating on the feeling of Missy's firm hand on her pussy and the thought of Antonio so close. Did he know about the two of them? Did he care? Did Missy see what they had been doing? Did she care? Her mind was swirling. I'm sorry, Missy whispered again as she pressed her fingers deep into the fold of Ellie's pants. The three of us together, Ellie thought. She turned away from Antonio toward Missy and kissed her. It was perfect and delicious, like always, but better better than before, better than ever, because Antonio was there, close behind her, watching them. Like Peter's fantasy, Ellie thought. She was hoping Antonio would hold her, stroke her, enter her. These damn clothes. 
Missy's hand was inside Ellie's pants now, struggling against the lycra, searching for her wetness. And she was helpless in Missy's grip. Any thought of anger or mistrust were drowned in the luscious sea of fingers and lips and tongues. Missy was kissing her belly now, kissing it sweetly as her fingers did their magic, and Ellie floated higher and higher. Missy was between Ellie's legs now, her pants around her ankles. She opened her eyes, and she thought she saw Antonio still beside her, watching her, smiling at her. She closed her eyes again as she came and came and came, trying not to scream, only gasping quietly as she grabbed Missy's head, wrapped her legs around it, and pushed it deep into her pussy. She panted on the Italian bed slowly, slowly floating back down to earth again. She opened her eyes and looked, looked to her right. Antonio was gone. When had he left, she wondered. Had he really ever been there? Did he watch us or not? Ellie wasn't sure of anything anymore. Okay, and that is the end of chapter 26. Wow, that one was a doozy. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I <laughs> As I'm reading this, I am reminded how many people read this book and think it's autobiographical, and I'm like, damn. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. I had nothing... Nothing erotic ever went on at Madison Playgroup where I took Raina and Malcolm. And, uh, yeah, nothing. I don't know if I've ever had anything erotic happen to me on the East Side ever. And that's not to say anything against the East Side. It's just I live on the West Side and um, all my eroticism has happened with my husband, I'm happy to say. I mean, of course, since we've been together. And it's been a long time, and it's been fabulous. All right, I've so digressed. So um, that was so much fun to write, so much fun. Uh, that was a scene that I didn't plan. That was a scene that was very much a representation of just having my muse take over, where I knew that shit was going to go down at that party, Um you know, having Faith warn Ellie, then have, I thought Marie Claire would be a good foil since she's the epitome of sort of untouchable in that she doesn't speak English. She's, there's no illusion that Ellie and Marie Claire are equals in any way. Uh, she doesn't deign to speak English, so she's a great, uh, she's untouchable in Ellie's, in Ellie's world. So I thought that was a great foil. And then having Ellie catch them, have Missy be so shitty, escalate, escalate, Antonio, Missy, Missy, Antonio, and Ellie. That just poured out of me, not planned whatsoever, and was a lot of fun to write. And hopefully is really really wrecking havoc on Ellie's psyche and well-being. She has really fucked her life up nice and good. 
and not to mention being um, called out by Missy that, oh, I remember how I met Ellie. She was catering my party. Now, the inspiration for that came because I used to cater and back in the day, and I catered quite a few fancy, very fancy Upper East Side parties with many a puff pastry. And, um, and then fast forward, I'm married with kids that are going to a fancy Upper East Side school. And I, truthfully, I, I haven't been to many fancy Upper East Side parties as a guest, but um, I've been to enough as a, as a wait staff, a cater waiter, and as a guest to be able to write about them. And when Raina and Malcolm went to Madison Playgroup, lots of over-the-top birthday parties. So uh, there you have it, raising the stakes, raising Ellie's um, uh, insanity, for lack of a better word. She is losing her mind. She's losing her grip. She's losing her foothold. So keep writing. Keep listening. Email me if you have questions, and I will read your questions on the next episode. That's it. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and love ya later, lunch.